You are listening to The Lift Mindset, where we provide an update from the experts. Today we have Dan Thompson, Portfolio Manager at Lift Invest, providing a monthly investment update and sharing some of the insights and thoughts on current trends. This podcast does not constitute advice. Hi Dan, can you give me an update on the current market please? So over the last month, again, we've seen monetary policy being the focal point of a lot of market commentary and a lot of the market reaction. There has been another round of inflation numbers released and another round of monetary policy meetings. The surprise news, I suppose, on the the monetary policy side was that the ECB, the the European Central Bank, raised their rates by half a percentage point, so 0.5%. And that was a surprise because they'd been guiding markets for four or five weeks that they were looking to increase interest rates at a fairly slow pace of of around a quarter basis point at a time. Christine Lagarde came out, announced the hike following their meeting, and it was a slight surprise because European markets, given what's happening in, in Russia and Ukraine, is the main economy which is being impacted by the natural gas shortages and the, the pressures on, on energy supply. They are likely to be entering a fairly deep recession at the end of this year, and the European Central Bank has been quite reticent to, to increase interest rates given that environment. Again, it just shows that no matter where you are in the world, the central bank are very focused on inflation and are very much of the mindset that inflation is not transitory and that there are various factors which will prolong this this inflationary cycle. In the UK, we know that there have been consecutive rate hikes since last December, which at the time were certainly not priced in and they were quite slow to adapt to this new inflationary environment. There is now commentary from Andrew Bailey, Governor of the Bank of England, which indicates that their next hike will probably also be a half percentage point rise, which will be higher than the, the four previous ones that they've done, which have all just been quarter basis point rises. With that heightened interest rate environment, we have just seen the interest rate payments on UK government debt has just hit the record amount on record in June. And when you look at uh, an aggregate figure, so the the aggregate borrowing figure of the government, which is the the difference between the spending of the government and the the tax income, and clearly that that spending figure includes this this interest payment, was 22.9 billion in June. And when you compare that to last year's figure in June, which was just 4.1 billion of net spending, then clearly you can see the impact that the interest rate hikes are having on, on government coffers. I've got a few more different aspects to discuss on the podcast. I will mention the political one at the moment, which is that we've clearly seen Boris Johnson resign. I've written commentaries which are available on the website and have hopefully been been circulated around many of you. But just to keep listeners up to date there, we are now down to the final two. So the final two means that it now goes to Conservative Party membership to decide who they would like to be the leader of the Conservative Party and, and consequently the next Prime Minister of the UK. So the final two are Rishi Sunak, who was previously Chancellor and resigned given the latest controversy of Boris Johnson, and also Liz Truss, who didn't resign and remains an advocate of, of Boris Johnson, particularly after he, he delivered Brexit, amongst other things, during his, his premiership. We have both of them. The favourite at the moment is Liz Truss, and that was unexpected at the start of the contest because for a long time she was third favourite. But now it's come down to the final two, Liz Truss, who is pursuing more freer spending than than Rishi Sunak, seems to be chiming more with the Conservative membership. And Rishi Sunak, who is trying to maintain a tighter grasp on the country's finances, doesn't quite seem to be as favoured by the Conservative Party membership. Now, 
had a question in and I am going to be joined by Stu next month where I'm sure that we'll touch upon a few of his thoughts as well. But I have received a question around have we any view of the market reaction or the economic impact of whether Liz or Rishi becomes PM? I'll, I'll only briefly cover it now, but the big difference is their view of government spending and how to kickstart the growth of the economy, which is now expected to be quite sluggish. So Rishi is basically saying that he wants to maintain a balanced budget. He wants to not spend outside of the country's means currently. And from a an international perspective, I think that is a, a good policy to try and pursue, because if you don't do that, then it risks inflation being persistently higher and the currency being persistently weaker as other countries have got a better grasp on balancing their their own books. That's from purely an economic perspective. What isn't taken into account, however, is the political likelihood of both of them continuing to be PM once you take their electoral chances into account. With Liz Truss being a freer spending conservative, that's likely to make her to the wider population in the UK more electable than Rishi Sunak. So when she goes up against Keir Starmer at the next general election, whenever that is, it's likely to be a closer race between the two of them than perhaps it would be with Rishi Sunak if you have a a freer spending Labour Party on the left and then a, a much more conservative in terms of the economy on the right. I think the city overall would probably prefer Rishi Sunak over the long term, but in the short term, because the city is so geared for continued premiership of a conservative leader, then actually there's in the short term, they may have to prefer Liz Truss because then there's less risk of of Labour getting in at the next general election. So that's where we are at the moment. But as I say, Stu's joining me next month again, and he may have a few more thoughts, a few more anecdotes of his time in markets and, and his time with seeing different chains of leaders. Moving on to something quite different. Markets right now, so we're we're right in the middle of, of earnings season. So earnings season in the States, which is the largest stock market and the most closely followed stock market. And many of the reports have actually been quite positive. You are seeing certain areas of, of weakness. So you saw Walmart miss their earnings estimates and you've seen a few more of the the consumer facing and more cyclical businesses underperform even some of the the weaker analyst expectations but you have seen the more quality focused and actually some of the the tech names such as netflix actually beat their analyst expectations so netflix for one which has been absolutely hammered by markets in the the latest inflationary environment and were expected to lose around two million subscribers they actually lost around 800,000, which was a lot better than, than was anticipated. And they've now put forward guidance that they expect in the third quarter that they will gain a million subscribers, which would more than offset those losses in Q2. Nevertheless, there has been this continued weakness in markets broadly with a lot of even the, the tech stocks, which, although short term and earnings have been doing well, have been suffering from a, a contraction in the multiple that they've enjoyed for a few years now. That's earnings season. A lot of our managers still continue to, to focus on that quality side of stocks, given that there are heightened recessionary fears. But at the same time, some of them are thinking that towards the end of this year, it might be a very good time to start deploying capital into some of those beaten down areas of the economy. But we're not there yet. We're still in the early phases and there's still around half earning season to go. So there might be a few interesting guidance points which companies make, which 
may be quite insightful and might turn markets. But since the beginning of earnings season, despite us seeing quite significant falls in Q1 and Q2, overall, the message has been quite positive and we've seen markets pick up, albeit we are only 20 odd business days into July and Q3. But we'll see how things go. There has been a market recovery, albeit we're still a long way off the highs that we were back in, in December. Back to inflation, I'll finish as I as I started. There have been two factors in the Ukraine-Russian war, which have at first seemed positive, but more recently may actually be negative and might mean that inflation persists yet further. The positive news at, at first viewing was the, the deal that both Russia and Ukraine signed with Turkey. I have to state it in, in that way because Ukraine refused to sign a deal with Russia directly. So consequently, both sides signed the opposing side of a contract, but with Turkey as the counterparty, and it was signed in, in Turkey. That deal allowed the grain exports, the wheat exports, out of the Black Sea ports to many nations, both around Europe and in North Africa, to recommence, which hopefully would have aided the, the price of, of food for those nations and would have helped inflation more broadly. However, within hours, Russia decided to once again bomb the various ports that, that Ukraine has on the coast and really just fat in the face of that deal. Also, there had been over the last month, a scheduled shutdown of Nord Stream 1 pipeline for natural gas into Germany for maintenance. It did reopen, but again, within days, Russia announced another round of cuts to the energy supply that they would be providing to Europe. And within 48 hours, we saw natural gas prices to the continent spike by around 20%. If there are further and further supply cuts, then we would anticipate there to be greater and greater upward pressure on natural gas prices, which would more broadly lead to higher energy costs and higher inflation. The picture remains bleak from an inflationary perspective and from an economic perspective, but markets are forward looking. And as I mentioned briefly, the earnings season has actually been quite positive. And despite the broad negative economic backdrop, markets have begun to uh, recover a little bit. That's all for now, Ellie, but I'll be joined by Stu in August and I'll look forward to chatting to you again then. That's great. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for listening. We hope you have learned something new today from our experts. If you would like to find out more, please visit our website www.lift-invest.com or search for Lift-Invest on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Don't forget to like and subscribe to hear more from the Lift Mindset.